Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Synergy Cast. I am your host, Sonia Joffer. And if you listened to part one of this series, you already know that I'm trying something new and where I'm cutting half my episodes because I know they're a little bit long. And so to make them a little bit easier to listen to, I'm releasing a part one and part two of my episodes from now on. So right now you are listening to the part two of the series with my cousin Amber. So if you haven't already, make sure you listen to part one and then come back here and finish up and listen to part two. But if you listen to part one already you're in the right place so in this part two of this conversation amber and i get into some really 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 interesting topics so some of the stuff we talk about is representation of south asians in the film industry we both also share our personal opinions on the new netflix shows never have i ever and indian matchmaking and amber gives us some behind the scenes (laughs) insight on those shows as well we also discuss beauty standards in the media and then how to embrace body positivity so if you all want to check amber out and her projects please look at the episode notes i have linked all of her social media and websites there please check those out and also there's some resources that we mentioned some south asian filmmakers Um, So please check out the episode notes to see where you can check those people out too. All right, everyone, without further ado, I'm going to play this conversation part two, and I hope you all enjoy. I know we talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on representation of South Asians in the media, especially with all of these South Asian shows on Netflix coming out now. Like we got the Mindy Kaling show um, and then we got, I think it's called Never Have I Ever. And then we have the Indian matchmaking show. Um, as long as other uh, South Asian shows being represented in mainstream media. So I'm really, really, really curious to hear <laughs> your thoughts on this, especially being a South Asian woman yourself working in the field. There's a lot to digest here. I'll get into it. So first off, so male South Asian representation versus women South Asian representation. First of all, some of like the major people that have been highlighted in media before like women have been recently um, have been like Hassan, Kamal, and Aziz. But like Kamal and Aziz have like kind of perpetuated this brown boy misogyny in both of their projects. The South Asian women were represented that great they were shown as docile crazy or marriage obsessed and which is like very demeaning to our portrayal which because we are like so much more than that it's like a mixed feeling you get when you see it like you're like oh it's a brown creator yay and then you look at it and you see how you're represented and you're just like why did you do me dirty like that Right. <laughs> like you get this platform and then you put down the woman in your community and it's just that ain't right and like that's why like I want to make projects because I have a voice too and so like working behind the scenes there's more that goes into it so like the bigger networks they tend to tokenize these stories and like create them for the white gays 
there's like one or two South Asian creators and the rest are like white or like of different ethnicity. They don't properly help portray the story that needs to be told from a South Asian American perspective. It's because like they want to take this cool story that has never been told before and it's great and diverse, but then they're misrepresenting them and not hiring the proper people to put those words to the page and bring it to fruition. People are like continuing to hire white folks so they stay in power and continue to get paid but not letting the BIPOC folks get in as easily the above line process. And it's not spreading the wealth to the people that deserve recognition. And oftentimes uh, these creators have to fight for their credits, their rights, um, and more to their stories. Like once beginning to work with a big network, the network tries to take that idea from them and just pay them off for the story and make profit on their own or have more control over them in different ways. So they continue to profit and not spread that with the people they're taking from. I feel like that's the thing with tokenism. And that's, I feel like with this revolution going on right now that we're experiencing, a lot of companies are being called out for their tokenism. Even now, after the revolution, companies are trying to show the space that, oh, we're so diverse, we're so inclusive, but especially as by POC, we definitely question it. We're like, okay, cool. Like, that's great that you have like a bunch of representation now of South Asian culture, but what are you doing behind the scenes? You know, like, are you hiring South Asian people? Are you hiring by POC people? Or are you just upholding those same systems of supremacy behind the scenes and just putting on this front that you are being inclusive? So yeah, thank you for addressing that. Definitely think that's important to talk about. If you like look at the credits, you see like what's going on. So like proper representation should be made behind the camera as well as for the stories in front of the camera and be held accountable for what they say. Yeah, and the independent film scenes, like, oftentimes to make these inclusive stories, it takes impact producing, which is, like, more of a holistic way to make that story based on the communities it reflects. Um, but it also takes more time and patience than a network will allow for. Like, outside of Hollywood, we have to apply for fundraisers, grants, programs to get money to make the projects and have the opportunities that we have and resources. They have these, like, diversity hire programs, but they're just there for a little bit to actually get a job as a writer is pretty difficult unless you're working with another by POC creator that will help advocate for you to get there. So there's like extra barriers already for by POC creators to even gain a position. Yeah, like to prove their worth that like, oh, you can do this. Oh, now you can work here. You don't get hired on immediately. You have to show that you can do it multiple times before you get hired on. Mindy's Never Have I Ever. There were like the only Desi writers for the show. And like the rest were white people and the rest of the execs were like white people or like mixed people and they didn't represent the diaspora properly. In her project for the Muslim aspect, there was a woman who was excommunicated from her Hindu community because she married a Muslim person in the in Never Have I Ever. And that's really controversial. And she they showed this character as like a bad character and the, the girl's cousin, like the older cousin that like talks to her. And this woman tells her that she feels like she shouldn't have married that Muslim man because of what happened that she should have married a Hindu man. And it was just like, why, what do you have against Muslims in your platform? And why are you saying these things about someone in the similar diaspora? And she did that with another project too, like the, the Mindy show. I just remember watching an episode or two of it and she's a doctor. She has this patient come in and she's like a hijabi Muslim woman and she wants to get treatment for something. 
And then once this woman walks away, Mindy talks to her staff. Why are you bringing these charity cases that like can't afford me? I'm like a high profile doctor. Like I know about people that like bring in money. Mm. And I was just like, what do you have against Muslims? Like, why are you perpetuating like this negativity in your space and like your show? Like, so it's subtle to like other people, but it's very blatant. If you are Muslim, like, you notice those things. Exactly, yeah. And, like, thank you for addressing all that because I didn't have the words for why I felt so weird while I was watching Never Have Ever. And now what you're saying is really making sense to me is that when I was watching it, I was, like, really excited at first. Like, I was like, this is great. Like, a show centering a South Asian character, like, this is amazing. And then when I watched it, I was like, why do I feel so disconnected from this character? Shouldn't I be feeling like so connected to this character? Because we technically come from the same cultural background. But I felt so disconnected from the entire narrative of the show. And now hearing your thoughts about it and hearing how there's only like two or three South Asian people, even on the production team or the writing team, and majority of the people working on that show were white. That makes so much sense. No wonder I felt so disconnected because people People working behind the scenes on the show don't even reflect the people centered in the show. So who's gonna be there to voice that opinion and be like, no, maybe maybe go about it this way, you know? Like that that makes so much sense now. Yeah, like there's no one to hold her accountable or people that get to these higher positions but aren't able to bring other people up with them or like maybe the company doesn't want them or they want other people to get paid for this work or this project but like it doesn't help tell the story properly since there's so few of these projects in the limelight it reflects all of us it's a heavy burden to bear but it's there and like i don't mean to pigeonhole these brown creators who make content um and shame them for what they have said in their work but they have to be held accountable to do better in their future and fight to hire people that look like you and support you in telling those stories that don't shame or put down or misrepresent the diaspora i think it's possible to support brown filmmakers and brown people in the media and also hold them accountable and i think holding them accountable is a form of support too because you want them to do better you want them to be better that means you support them right definitely do not want to pigeonhole brown creators i think it's awesome that we're out there you know like we're being represented but there's always room for improvement so i think these conversations are also important to have too they're really important to have because you have to listen to the audience that you're catering to (laughs) if they're upset then like you should be upset or like you should think about what you've just done and it it puts a heavy burden like even when I write I feel that burden what words am I gonna put like pen to paper and like what will this come out to be but then I realize I just need to ask more people for feedback or get insight or do research to help with that there is like a funny example I wanted to bring up with like calling out people in the film community black AF basically Kenya Barris he wants to call out this filmmaker because they have asked him to speak on a panel for this film, but he doesn't want to because he watches it and he's like, oh, I don't like what they did. Like, and like, I want to call them out. And he starts like calling all these other like black filmmakers. Hey, will you guys come with me to call this person out? And they're like, no, you don't have to put like more negativity into like a space where we barely have. The only person that's like, okay, I'll come with you and we'll address this together. It was Lena Waithe. And then they get to the film panel the filmmaker speaks and then Kenya Barris gets to speak about what he thought about the film and he like totally called him out and then everyone's pissed at Kenya and then Lena like switches sides and she's like yeah this film is great what are you talking about 
like it totally takes away from us trying to be accountable for each other, hold each other higher standards with our work. Yeah, or like even giving us a chance to improve ourselves. Everybody needs to improve themselves. Like there's always room for growth and change. Like no one's perfect in everything they do. So I think the example you just gave perfectly highlights what we were just talking about. Constructive feedback is always good. It's important to be constructive in what you say and like make sure the person is open to it as well. Not just attack it, but like have valid points and explain why you think they could improve here and there because I know myself like getting feedback while in the in the middle of making something there's so many things people want to do with a project and you have this vision of what you want it to be and like you don't want to derail from that but then it's also just to have that insight in case you did want to change something or like there is something controversial that needs to be addressed and that feedback that people give you is very valuable that's very precious you know so i'm also learning how to see constructive criticism from others as a privilege to have like instead of a negative thing too yeah it's very important in your growth and like seeing things that you wouldn't have seen before another example that I wanted to bring up is like the recent Indian matchmaking, mm-hmm. which is like a docu-reality series. I think the filmmakers' intentions were to just document what matchmaking was because there has never been any type of coverage of it. They mention it in these different films here and there, but the whole process of itself is like a mystery. While like the matchmaker she followed and the clan she covered exuded the stereotypical toxic uh, Desi culture, she was just documenting what it is and giving a space for it to exist and to show what this culture is right now and how it'd be able to change in the future, I feel like. Uh, The filmmaker has received a lot of criticism in the regard to this project, like covering this toxic culture, but she's received it like openly and honestly, and I believe she's moving forward um, and taking these these insights into consideration to make the show better next time if it were to continue. But even having the show exist helps call out these things in Daisy communities that are not talked about, that need to be talked about and changed. Like trying to change the narrative of how people act and the culture that they're in isn't just producing a project. It's doing like impact producing and trying to change the way not just the audience sees things, but how the people that she's documented change things. That whole process itself is would take more time than a Netflix project would like allow for or like have the budget for. And like the more points of view that there are and continue to be shown and done in a healthy, productive manner, the better it would be. Since not just one show showcases all this diversity of like a group's existence, the few people that are on the show that are behind the scenes that are of similar ethnicity it would take the whole staff to be like brown. Yeah, no, that's real. I definitely like those are some of criticism that I definitely formed so I'm glad that you like talked about some of those things when I watched Indian matchmaking again it was very entertaining so I would definitely like address that like I found it to be very 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 funny and very entertaining to watch and very cool to see again like our culture and different aspects of our culture represented like there's Gujarati people, Sindhi people, Punjabi people you know, so many different types of South Asian cultures represented in one show, which I thought was beautiful. But I definitely saw those those critiques that you mentioned too, and I, I shared those as well. The colorism aspect, you know, like how the women wear 
be like fair. Literally, like families would look for that. Like they would put that in their what they wanted. Like they want a fair skinned, tall girl. So definitely like colorism definitely highlighted there. But I do like how you give that because you have that inside knowledge of working within the industry. So you're the the way you responded to those critiques. I feel like is very important, especially. For people like me who aren't in that field, so might not have that other, you know, inside knowledge on why this happened or what was going on. And I'm really happy to hear that the creator of this is uh, keeping that open mind and keep taking that critique in. And I'm excited to see like the season two and to see like, how she decides to kind of incorporate that feedback and see what that season two is going to be like. Yeah, she took like a brave first step in general, being like, hey, I'm going to cover Indian matchmaking. I don't know, for me, like, my parents never talked about it. Like, they just said, oh, this aunt set us up. It just happened. There's like a whole culture of it. And you like, you're too afraid to ask because then your parents are like, are you interested in doing that? And it's like, I don't I didn't say that. It's just like, I wanted to know, like, I was curious, like, what it looks like. That's <laughs> so true. I was laughing because I know our parents especially do that all the time. <laughs> so I was like, wait, are you interested? Like, are you next? <laughs> I don't know. Like, why can't we just talk about this without, like, having expectations of me getting married? <laughs> there was things she covered in there that was positive. Like, the one woman who chose to focus on her career, and that was good for her at that point. I feel like they left it at a good point for some of those people. Like, some of them weren't ready. That's okay, too. And, like, she showed that's, like, a very human experience. I think I read some article with, like, none of the relationships worked out. It's, like, you know, the the way the matchmaker was, she was kind of putting down Akarna and, like, these different women that, like, wanted, that, that aspired to be so much. None of her matches worked out. It's, like, that speaks volumes for her, too, that... This is matchmaking. The system isn't great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought that up because I well, I watched the show twice. <laughs> so the <laughs> first time I watched it, I did not like Aparna at all. I was like, this girl is so annoying. She's so picky. Like, why can't she just be more open-minded and flexible? And then when I watched it the second time, I was like, wait a second. Who cares if she's picky? Like, that just means that she knows what she wants. Like, the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, I literally judged somebody based off a stereotype, right? Like, that was coming out within me. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, damn, I really did that. Like, I really put her in a box. And that's what I tried to, like, strive not to do with people. So I kind of had to call myself out on that, too, and be like, you know what? No, if that's the way she, like, likes to go about things. That's totally fine. Women don't always have to be so flexible and accommodating all the time, you know? Like, sometimes they can just know what they want and own it, too. But some of the better examples of the, like, getting fundraising or putting their own projects together, one of my friends, Karan Sunil, he made this web series called Code Switched, and it's about the South Asian diaspora in, like, Chicago and, like, them growing up and figuring out what they want to do with their lives. The way he did it was so holistic like it's not released yet but like I followed the project on Instagram because I saw like article about like oh this is really cool like like their stuff and then he like reached out to me on Instagram and was like hey are you South Asian filmmaker and I was like I am indeed he's like would you like to work on my set you bet (laughs) that's awesome 
Yeah, and that's like how I got connected with him through Instagram. And I came on as a production assistant, like I volunteered. We'd like have conversations and like he'd want my insight or like, like he'd talk to me and like try ask me like, what do you think of the scene? What do you think I could do better? Like, he didn't treat me like a PA, he treated me like an equal. Like, I really appreciated that. And like he brought on a few other people that like, he had met and it's good seeing that and even the actors that he had asked them for the insight it's like a very open conversation that he had with these people to create this safe space to like, make this very diverse show about the south asian like diaspora in chicago yeah that's that that's very exciting and that sounds like a great example of like i like how we talked about some you know examples that need more work but i like how we're also bringing up examples that do already exist currently that are practicing the inclusivity that that we really are looking for you know so i like how we're mentioning that as well so it's kind of like giving me hope that okay like there are people out there that are doing this so (laughs) thank you for bringing that up too yeah of course yeah he did like an indiegogo fundraiser he you know pitched to different people and he had to scrounge for those funds he's still making it happen and then it's going to be released on otv i believe so open television and that has a lot of different a lot of minorities and like diverse work in the lgbtqi plus community go there and you'll find a plethora of projects like brown girls the tea and like there's multiple projects on there that's like very intersectional some other examples of positive work is that i try to challenge those ideals in my own work there's other creators out there like um Inal Bagh, who made hala which is a, a feature-length film on apple tv and that talks about this teenage pakistani american girl like dealing with her like sexuality and like she's a skateboarder i haven't watched it yet but i need to um but it it tells like a story that that doesn't exist and it's it's like nice to hear about i saw like the short film of it and it's online i was gonna say that sounds like you like pakistani girl like on her skateboard and <laughs> I'm really happy that the youth now has really, really diverse representations of our culture out there in mainstream media too, because like we've been talking about this whole time, to see yourself represented on TV is one thing, um, but then to see yourself represented stereotypically also is kind of eh, you know, like (laughs) that I don't really connect with that. Um, But then to see yourself represented in many diverse ways really really says a lot to me because not all south asian people are the same you know like everyone's so different we're all individuals we all express ourselves differently you know like you like to skateboard so i think that's really cool to see that the more like complex your character is the better the story is and the more like you show of a character i feel like the better it is mentally physically spiritually emotionally like i feel like if you cover all those things an amazing character that like can go through so many different adventures and then another great creator is fatima oscar that did brown girl she's like a multidisciplinary artist like she writes poetry she writes for film she started directing music videos in her own short film so i just how versatile she is as an artist and like you don't have to be set in stone in one discipline and be like that is my thing like you can be very multi-layered like we were talking about before and that's how I am like I like photography I like film 
I like events. I like drawing. I like painting. Like I, I like music. So I like that fluidity in being an artist. Another project I really, really like, which I feel like represents South Asian women in a great way, is a show that's made in India. Uh, it's called Two More Shots, Please. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's basically it's Sex in the City for like Indian girls, but it like covers so many controversial topics within itself. And the characters are complex, and they're all like strong female leads that lead their own life and it highlights female friendship like they all come together even though with these different backgrounds but they're very supportive of one another and like their fields like what they're interested in pushing them to be and do better that is like what i want here in america like for south asian americans for a cross first generational american show like to have these complex characters and it's not like trying to appease to the white gaze it's just trying to tell a story that we can relate to and makes us feel good. Holistic, therapeutic, and impactful art takes time to make and to be done well and make a positive impact on society, but is also much more worthwhile. Definitely, yeah. I think that's an amazing quote. So thank you so much for sharing that because that's so true. It's like quality over quantity. And I feel like a lot of times people are like, well, what's going to make me the most money? But at the same time, I think as artists, we have to be mindful with the art we put out, especially if we have a big platform, we can reach so many people with our art and communicate messages through our art as well. So to really take time and be mindful of art process, make sure being inclusive, connecting it back to like, why, why did we start in the first place? You know, like, why are we doing this? It is, it is for the money, but it's not only for that, right? So I really like that quote. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So now if you're ready, we can kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk a lot about beauty standards and body positivity as well, because I know that you are really big on that. Um, so I really want to hear your thoughts and experiences on beauty standards in the film industry and also just within our community in general, not only in the film industry. So in the film industry, it's definitely like internalized to find like pretty people to show on screen, like as a female, as a male, want them to be skinny and well sculpted. And um, But I feel like beauty standards have definitely changed in the entertainment industry over like the past few years and more different people of sh different shapes and sizes are being shown these days as main characters and it adds to support the more realistic body type that there are and to adapt to the changes in society and culture and that like that could be for genuine reasons but also could be just because like we were talking about earlier to appease to get that money to the wider audiences it's the start <laughs> In our, in our community, in the South Asian community, like the beauty stands for today's kids is quite different from what we grew up in our community. There's still like these standards, older generations that need to be changed and, and stop being implemented, like such as fat shaming and skin lightening and glorification of white skin and shaming for body hair and wanting a woman to be perfect in so many different aspects in her body and her autonomy and how she acts and what she does. And it's very difficult to be yourself in a society or in a community that does that to you. With my film, Fuzzy Legs, it highlights the issues of young girls being judged for their body hair and race from a young age. Fuzzy Legs, the logline is, Amina, a Pakistani-American girl, starts her first day of middle school in the suburbs of Chicago. She quickly finds out 
it's not all what it's cracked up to be and having hairy legs doesn't help. In the film, the daughter Amina is bullied for her hairy legs and her race, which is shown as like microaggressions and real aggressions from Josh and Becky, some the other main characters uh, dialogue in the story. And so the character Amina, she begins to contemplate shaving her legs and if it will change her life for the better if she does. However, the mother in the story doesn't want her daughter to change her body. She wants her to stay young and have no one looking at her in an adult way, since she's just a middle schooler, and she believes that her daughter shouldn't modify her body for anyone else. I came up with the story from the perspective of how I would want to approach the subject with my hypothetical daughter for future girls to see that it's perfectly normal to have body hair and to be proud of what they look like while still showing the cultural aspect of what the thought process goes into our beauty standards. Just the few times that I've shown the film, I've gotten so many responses from women of all complexions on how they relate. And the, even in the table read that I had, that was the first time I heard my script read aloud by actors. And the white women told me how they themselves have experienced being bullied for their body hair as well. So it's not just a racial issue. It's a woman and femme issue overall and how society looks at women and how they want to be perfect or expect us to be perfect. Fuzzy Legs is just so many people have related to it and told me their experiences. When it aired on PBS, my aunts and uncles and my mom's friend, like they came up to me and they told me how they were bullied in their middle schools or their high schools and they were called these different names for what they look like and they never talked about it. Like they were bullied and they just like suppressed it. And like, it's never talked about. And like, we, I went through the same thing. And like, I didn't feel like I could talk about it. People expect you to be a certain way. And it's like, you feel afraid because you're not and you don't want to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Like, you feel like there's something wrong with you. Why do I feel this way? Why can't I just conform with what everyone else wants? Especially in that age, like in the teenage age, it's all about social pressures at that age. And I know when I saw your film too, I immediately was taken back to my middle school age, you know, and my grade school age when I was bullied for having hairy legs and stuff too. I succumbed to the pressure and I begged my mom to let me shave my legs and she let me, you know, because she saw how much being bullied was impacting me so she was like okay like if anything will make it a little easier like you know mm -hmm. just do it but yeah I was I immediately could relate to that and I know so many other women could also relate to that too so especially to hear your whole story from like beginning where you started out and then how you got to the point where you did make your own film it seems like all of your experiences you can see that in your film and the, the way you approach making the film too and especially that quote you just mentioned about being mindful and intentional about the content that you're putting out too. And you can see that with the responses that you're getting. You can see yeah. that you did do that, you know? So I think that's, that's really great. That's really awesome. Also, if y'all wanna check out the film, we'll like put in the episode notes um, and we'll mention at the end, if, it, if, there, if it's gonna be showing again, you can just follow the social media to check that film out too. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. With representation in my film, I actually had to fight for me to have Tavish be like the main character. I had to have this internal dialogue with myself. For the casting call, I told them specifically I wanted a South Asian girl, Pakistani, 
or Indian that can speak Urdu or Hindi. But I, I specified like Pakistani, but you can't say that per se, racial preference or something like that. But like in the casting call, they put like I saw it online somewhere posted and they put Middle Eastern, something else. And then they put like South Asian. And I was just like, that's not what I said. Yeah. That's not that's not right. And then the casting call, it was a bunch of Middle Eastern girls that didn't know Urdu. And I'm like, how? I can't teach a language. <laughs> like like I like I went through the through the casting session and like I was trying to tell them how to say some of these phrases and I'm like, this doesn't feel right at all to me. You look like the main character, but it's not the same. I actually brought in Dabish. She's from our religious community as well. And then I looked her up and I saw her like old demo tape from like an acting class she took when she was little. And like, I was like, oh, so she has some interest in that. So I reached out to her mom and I asked her if she'd be interested in going through the casting process. And like, I kind of coached her in a way while I was in the session with her because she was the only Pakistani girl that auditioned. Yeah, so I had to like go out and grab someone that I knew to be able to make the story that I wanted. We thought about it, like me and the producers, either I choose her, she's a little bit older, she can play for younger, and then she doesn't have as much acting experience. It's not in her wheelhouse. And then this other girl, like Middle Eastern, but she's not the character. She's not who I want to be represented. And that would make me feel so icky inside if I did that. And I misrepresented the person in my first short film. And it would just like live with me and sit with me. I was like, I can't do that. And so I took took a chance. Like She did great. And it turned out great. Now she's she signed up with a talent agency. Look at that. Yeah, look what happens when you follow your intuition and like stick to your gut and like what you originally wanted. And I know we talked a lot about how like being an artist means that you do have to be adaptable and flexible. But with certain things like this, you have to stick your ground. You can't just be so flexible all the time with everything, especially with things that are so inherently valuable to you as as the creator so I really really value that and admire that in you that you hustled for that you're like no I know what I want and if y'all are not gonna help me get it I'm gonna go get it myself and find it myself so yeah yeah it was like you always have to work harder like to get what you want and be represented properly it's never gonna end if you're trying to like make films and projects like you have to you have to go out and do the work yeah and that just highlights another challenge that by poc creators have to deal with that white creators may not have to deal with so strongly yeah and it's definitely more difficult because you want to represent yourself correctly but you it was like hard to say no to this other girl she's also a minority but this isn't her story like this isn't this doesn't connect, but then like on bigger TV shows, they can be represented as something else and like be something else. I don't know. I feel like for myself in my creative process, if like there's someone of a certain culture, like I want them to be of that culture to understand that experience and that might be very selective. I guess it depends on the story, honestly. Yeah. And like for this story, you like had a vision like you wanted to be a South Asian or Pakistani actress and you wanted her to be able to speak Urdu and Hindi because that's you incorporated our native language in the film important to you too so that makes sense to me why of course it might have sucked to tell that Middle Eastern actress no but also like she didn't fit that uh, character that would be able to 
speak our native tongue and you really wanted to incorporate that in the film and honestly as a viewer as the audience member myself hearing our native language in a movie that wasn't like a bollywood movie obviously but like you know like to see that to hear that it was very empowering for me as a viewer it's like a piece of home you know that like i can connect to just hearing our native tongue so i yeah i definitely i definitely see how you have to fight for that for sure I'm so glad, like, you thought that, because, like, I, like, sat down with my mom coming up with the lines, because I don't know Urdu that well, and, like, it was, like, a very personal, personal project, and even through, like, running through the lines, like, for a rehearsal, my mom was the one that was running through the lines with Tavish, because we couldn't afford having the actress there for a rehearsal, so very personal, and very, like, we, I took items out of my home to set decorate that, like, the home scene, the designs, like, even the scarf that the mom is wearing is, like, mine or my mom's wow it was like literally <laughs> literally my house are found in the film i didn't know that at all that's amazing yeah like the even the production designer he came into my home to see what my room was like and he took pictures of my house and my room he's like this girl is her like no doubt about it <laughs> like we're gonna represent this shit accurately <laughs> with this film it covers like the autonomy of women's bodies how women everywhere like people always tell them what to do with their bodies like even when i cut my hair short my like family wants to have a say in it they're like stressed out when i said i want to cut my hair short being told what to do from such a young age doesn't allow for children to make their own decisions about what they do with their life and it keeps them from growing and being like the best person that they can be and it's very limiting when you tell someone what they should look like or what should they should dress like and it keeps them from like expressing themselves fully as they are it puts so many restrictions on what a person could be that they don't reach the extent of what they could like bring into this world even with the autonomy of like your own body but also the autonomy of art when i'm writing or coming up with stories i always feel like i think about what my family would think of this or that or if i say something about the whole community and then i think about it and i think i should still write it but i need to confer with other people about it in a like positive way that doesn't limit myself but also represents people properly so people didn't have control over me like i would just push my boundaries to see what i could do but also because i didn't want to be like anyone else and just do what i love and thought was cool like i listened to rock music i cut my hair short i played basketball i loved art playing guitar when i was little in rec one of the teachers shazad taught me a little bit and i performed in jamakana and in geeth class and it finally pushed my parents to get me lessons so many girls in jamakana saw me in these like doing these weird things or like you know running a camera or playing a guitar and they felt inspired in some way to do something different or like to aspire to be more to do more to do something that's like unconventional of what people would usually expect you to be in our culture and like i don't want to feel like i'm the like oh yeah everyone's inspired by me that kind of person it was i like to think that like i have quirky effect on people to like be more of themselves i think you do and and you can see that even with your film too like the way people responded to that i think that the way you are so intentional about the way you show up in the world with your art and even just as yourself as a human 
I think people do look at you and are inspired, you know, to like, at least be like, okay, there's, there's someone doing that. So I can do that too. Even if I don't want to, at least I know that that's an option for me if I ever wanted to, you know, versus like when we were growing up, there was a lot less or like little to none women that we saw in these less traditional quote unquote fields. So we kind of had to pave that way and fight for that. So you've been fighting for <laughs> just to exist how and show up how you want to show up in the world since, since a very young age. And it's interesting to me to see how that carries over into your uh, art practice as well. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you again for like sharing all that. Again, like I feel like this is a very powerful conversation that we're having and I feel like there's definitely a lot to say, um, but also to the listeners, uh, especially to the youth that are listening or to everybody in general, what has helped you as an individual unlearn some of these European beauty standards that are set on us and imposed on us and to embrace body positivity? Yeah, so unlearning these standards and like embracing body positivity has definitely come from just showing up more as myself and more and more of myself every day and like pushing the envelope because people learn to accept what they see more of. So I grew up being chunky, hairy, weird, brown art kid and being bullied by fellow classmates, old friends and even family. So existing from that point on and just listening to myself has been my safe haven because I'm committed to understanding myself and all that I am. And it is not my problem. Someone else can accept all that I am and bring to the table. And then with the process of Fuzzy Lakes, I learned that I'm not alone in my experiences and that there are so many other women going through the same process. And it's not right for society to hold us to a certain standard of living. We're all different and express ourselves the way we see fit. Exactly. You just gotta like embrace it. And I think we talked about this earlier, but like being intentional about who you have around you Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that's also something that's personally helped me like embrace my body positivity more and unlearn some of these beauty standards that are imposed on us is is just surrounding myself with people that are like-minded in that way and that I can look up to and be like okay they're embracing themselves so I can feel safe to embrace myself too. It's definitely important who you surround yourself with and then like who you aspire to be. Like it can be so many things and look so different from the next person. But having those people to like accept you as you are is just like beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, definitely a beautiful thing. Thank you so much again for today. Like I feel like I could talk about this (laughs) topic forever. Like there's just so much to say about it. What are, what are some of your concluding thoughts, like some last words that you want to leave with the listeners? I would love to hear. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> I'm so ready for this. I came up with this quote as a title for a book I want to write in the future, so do not steal it. I copyrighted it by saying it in this statement. <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> Trademarked, yes. Start shit, get hit, it's lit. Don't quit. Hey. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Snaps. Snaps for that. That was amazing. That was some great poetry to, <laughs> to end this conversation on. And also, like, definitely, like, has a humor element to it for sure, which I really appreciate. Also, it just totally 
is still so relevant to everything we talked about. Like just those like few words you said, <laughs> literally ties to everything we've been talking about. Like, you know, keep hustling. Uh, don't quit at that, you know, like keep, keep doing you and uh, keep uh, focusing on what you believe in too. So thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Marks on no one steal that shit. Yeah. Exactly. You, you start doing stuff, you're going to get hurt. You know, things are going to happen, but it's okay. Keep going. You yeah. got this. Exactly. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> Words of wisdom right there. <laughs> I'm Amber Swan. So lastly, I just want to ask you, how can people find you? Uh, people want to learn more about your film, learn about you and uh, check you out on social media and stuff. How can people find you best? Oh, I got a few different sites. If you want to learn more about my film, there's on Facebook and Instagram, it's at Fuzzy Legs Film. And then for the website, it's fuzzylegsfilm.com. For my business and inquiries for like freelance work or to collaborate, it's at Amber Iswani Studios on Facebook and Instagram. For my portfolio, it's amberiswani.com. And then these organizations I'm a part of, there's one that's called Smiley Artist Alliance, and it's just at Smiley Artist Alliance for Facebook and Instagram. And then at 3 a.m dot shy for this production company or production group that i work with that is like all female chicago filmmakers and you can follow that for events and projects to come awesome yeah thanks so much for sharing all that and everyone go check amber out and go check these amazing projects out too you will not be disappointed some quality content out here so thank you again amber for coming on today i really appreciate um your openness and your vulnerability and just, you know, having this conversation with me, which I feel like was definitely tough to have at some points, but again, very necessary and important. So I really appreciate your time and your energy today. And I'm really excited for listeners to, to hear this conversation. Thank you for having me today and listening so openly and pushing me to be more and discuss more and go more in depth and my thought process and of course as always i thank you for listening and staying tuned if you like this episode feel free to share it with the people in your life i would also really appreciate if you would subscribe to synergy cast on whatever podcast platform you prefer Give it a five-star rating and leave a good review mentioning what you like about the podcast. You can also follow the Instagram for updates, at SynergyCast, and I have also included that in the episode notes. I have now a new feature, which is a voice memo feature, which I am very excited about. So if you would like to send in your thoughts and your feelings or your personal experiences, feel free to record a voice memo and send it my way. I would love to include your voice in the next podcast episodes. Lastly, if you are willing and able, there is another new feature where you can donate however much money you want to help support SynergyCast financially. If you do choose to donate, The money would help me pay for several things. It would help me pay for myself, my own energies, my own efforts, 
and also the money would help pay my future guests especially people of color for their time since i believe it is very important to compensate people of color especially for their time and energy since many bipoc which stands for black indigenous and people of color have a history of being taken advantage of and underpaid or not paid at all for their efforts so any and all ways you choose to support would be very much appreciated Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes coming your way soon. Stay safe, everyone, and take care.